Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I am your host, Kat Kinsman, and my guest today is the illustrious Jason Vincent. (laughs) You look skeptical at that. I don't know what it means. I am not at all skeptical (laughs) about this because he's got some fantastic places in Chicago. Um, Giant and City Mouse and Chef's Special Cocktail Bar, which opened yet? No, no yes. not yet. Soon, but, soon. But I have been dying to talk to you because uh, you have you say and do a lot of things that I think are pretty damn great. So welcome. Thank you. Um, glad to be here. So you were a food and wine best new chef. Yes. Yeah, 2013. Thank you for representing the family. Yeah. Um, but you also were on a more recent accolade list as well for our best restaurants to work for. That's true. Yeah, it was unexpected. It was it's really cool. It's a great idea for you guys to put that forward. You came multiply recommended, which was a really, really nice thing to hear. And I saw your name on the list and I backed it up because you uh, had written a a communal table essay uh, around this point last year. I remember I was actually in Chicago, uh, probably a few blocks from your restaurant editing this. And it was about hunger and the duty of chefs to take care of people who are hungry. Let's talk about how you operate a little bit, the principles that got you to a place of being a great place to work for. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a loaded question because I, we don't, I don't really see it as um, something that we're typically doing that should be outside the box, outside mm-hmm. the norm. Unfortunately. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I am not one to say that I went through like some, you know, crazy kitchens where like everybody was like getting shit thrown at them or, you know, whatever. I've worked for um, really amazing people. Um, Jason Hamill in Chicago um, and his wife, Leah, who owned Lula and Sam Hayward in Maine at Fourth Street. Um, they're just good role, role models, you know. But it's bigger than restaurants. You know, life isn't restaurants. Mm. So, like, I could The hell you say. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, yeah. the, the, the culture of restaurants is something that I've been in since I was 14. And, you know, it's almost it's 30 years at this point. And if I stayed on those railroad tracks of, like, I'm in a restaurant and this is how I operate and whatever... I'd be way more fucked up than I am now. But it's like you see the the humanity and you can see the the out, you know, inside and outside of the restaurant and I don't know, you you have choices. You can either try and make everything better, or you can try and, you know, go with the status quo or you can make everything worse. And my parents taught me to make everything better. There's an impetus toward the worse and there is there's a, so there was for a long time a glamorizing of that particular way of being of uh, you know you give everything up for the restaurant that's the only thing that matters a friend of mine likes to talk about um, Gen X masochist chefs and there is a you know group uh, you know pretty pretty squarely in there who were who were brought up in that way of being where you you give your all and nothing less is is acceptable and finding almost glory in the detriment that it has to the right. rest of your life how did you not have that was it your your upbringing was it working in those kind of kitchens how did you not have that mentality and yet still succeed 
Uh, I did have that mentality. And I think I was young and dumb enough when I did that. I mean, I, I lost tons of friends, you know, just I, I didn't hang out on Saturday nights. I worked every weekend, literally every weekend. You know, I worked every day. Um, but I was in my teens, yeah. you know what I mean? I was in my teens and early twenties and, and, um, you know, a couple of my really good buddies stuck around. Um, but other than that, I, I did. So I lost like early and often, which I don't know if it's a good, good thing. I don't know where I'd been otherwise. Um, but I also had like, at that point, I thought I was going to be an English teacher you know, I went to like college. <laughs> There's a certain <laughs> amount of that crossover of like writers and chefs and musicians and chefs and all the other careers and yeah. finding that. Well, I think, and sometimes the chef part of it becomes like the excuse, you know, to like, to, to, to crouch down and say like, no, I have to work on a Saturday night because like you're, I don't know, like. I have anxiety, like oh, I'm terrified to go. <laughs> I'm terrified to go out to dinner. Yep. You know what I mean? I I know that very, very well. It's hard to leave my house sometimes. So it was easy to be like, no, if I'm just if I put myself in the kitchen, then you know, there there are literally hours out of the day where I can stand over a cutting board and cut something and literally no one is talking to me. And this is great. You know, and then the tickets start coming in. And you say words and you throw your brow and things happen. And like, you know, it's, it's very basic, but it's like, um, it's a safe space, if that makes any sense. No, it absolutely does. And I, I have this conversation with people who ask why there's this intersection of mental health issues and restaurants. And I think it's a chicken and egg kind of thing because people who might not be suited for a, you know, nine to five office environment where you have to be interacting yeah. um, with people, like find a home in the in the kitchen and, and their skill set and their their brain set is very amenable to the rhythm of a, of a kitchen. But then there are also things in there that really exacerbate uh, behaviors that might not be so great. Some self-medication that happens, some that that avoidance of, you know, you are working till whatever hour and you get off and there's nobody uh, in your life who's going to tell you to make the same decision. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, that's I mean, I'll be honest, that's something I still struggle with. You know, I I do feel like I drink too much. Mm -hmm. Um and I do think it's, you know, it's one of those things you can trace back to being in restaurants so early. And it's like, it's a secret that you're given like the 15 year old beer and, you know, shit <laughs> like that. And, you know, yeah. you don't really think anything of it until you're 43 and you're like, man, I drink too much. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I try to make maybe excuses for it. And try and understand it. And it's not like to no detriment. Like I don't do anything dangerous or, yeah. you know, I don't drink and drive or anything like that. And um, it's just one of those things where it's like, for me, it's always there. It's yeah. like, what would my life, how would I have, is that just my personality? You know, is it like a whatever nature nurture thing? Um, it's just a curiosity for me. 
like at this point. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, there's always a question, who would I have been if I right. didn't do that kind of thing? If I had, you know, that, that Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors moment. If, <laughs> if you, what is alternate? I'm glad we're going to talk about the Avengers finally. Oh my God. <laughs> don't spoil, don't spoil. I, I do have a friend who's already seen it. Who oh, works, shut up. Who works for Marvel. So. Shut up. <laughs> He's giving away oh, no I can't spoil. wait. I'm ridiculously excited. Oh my gosh. It's going to be sick. There's also an intersection of chefs and superheroes, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting thing because I see a lot of chefs who are in their mid forties. I'm in my mid forties and, you know, and my body is telling me yes and no on various things because they totally. have health issues. But a lot of people who are sort of saying like, Hey, you know, having a little check in with your body and, and, and your mind and your life and stuff and saying like, you know, maybe I'll do it a different way. And I know that there are some chefs who have sort of traded in behaviors one for another there are so many of them who have given up you know drinking or substances and now like bicycle like fiends or right. yoga whatever you know that thing happens to be and and find the balance thing yeah i mean i like exercising like mm -hmm. i like i've taken up swimming um and a lot of those chefs are friends of mine yeah. you know like i can text matt jennings and say ah, love that man hey dude how did you do this and his first response is are you mocking me right now <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> I'm like, no, I really want to know, like, what, what does your diet look like? And, mm -hmm. um, he's a great human being and he'll just like take the time to say, this is what I do and you can do it this way. And, um, you know, it can be three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, do you eat carbs? And like, you know, <laughs> love him. <laughs> he's, he, I think he's, he's the patron saint of this podcast without actually having been on it yet because we've, we've just invoked him. It's just a matter of time before he yeah. comes on here for, but for people who have not heard us talk about him a million times, maybe you're jumping around episodes. He is a chef in Boston who I think lost half of his body weight or more, yeah. um, uh, is sober and bicycles like a fiend and has stepped away from his restaurant to make a hospitality firm to try to make life in restaurants better for other people. He's a good human being. He is he is truly and genuinely the goods. And he sucks. <laughs> so you see him and you see him uh, jumping out of what he's doing. You you jumped out for a while. I had to. Um, it was um, 2014. 2014. It was right after Best New Chef and like, you know, the year I I I send notes to to all the new best new chefs. I send handwritten postcards to all of them every year. That's so lovely. But the ones that I know, I try and like packs this oh, year. Packs. I was able to like send a message and say like, listen, the year after food and wine is mm -hmm. it it's it's a motherfucker. Like mm -hmm. you people want a lot out of you and you need to like really understand that your your health and you know, as a consequence your mental health um, are gonna be tested. And there's nothing wrong with saying no to events. There's nothing wrong with, you know, like sitting at home on a Saturday night when the rest of your class is like out doing whatever. It's like you got to take care of yourself. Um, and I didn't. So yeah. <laughs> I let's like, talk what that year looked like. Because the thing is, we we ha we realized yeah. that this was a problem. And because I've seen friends go through it. And whether it's Best New Restaurant, Best New Chef, James Beard Award, whatever it happens to be. It's hard. It really is. So we implemented over the past couple of years uh, some mentorship training. So we're That's assigning, awesome. yeah. So we're assigning each uh, chef a mentor and uh, doing some training programs uh, for them, like when they were here 
uh, with their cool. class. We sat them down over a long lunch and had people talk about physical health, mental health, uh, write partnerships about saying no to media opportunities and all that because, and you know, they're a little bit deer in the headlights because it's the sure. it's the day it was announced and um, in at Aspen Food and Wine Classic, we uh, and we're. I hope you'll be part of this. We will have breakout sessions for them as well and really talk them through. Like, what does this look like now that you're a couple months into it and doing that? I would love to. Yeah. That would be, I would, I'd be honored. Let's, let's make this happen. Cause sure. you're going to be in at the classic. Yeah. Um, so you, what is, what did that year look like for you? So it happened, the announcements in what, May, June, <sighs> something like that. Um, I got the phone call from Dana, <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Dana <laughs> on Cowan. February 28th. <laughs> I remember exactly <laughs> where I was. <laughs> right. I still tell her, I'm like, man, that was, that was a crazy day. Um, and then, yeah, we found out or the announcement was in April and then it's like, it is like, it's immediate. Your restaurant's much busier and not only that, like, and it's not even, you know, stuff that's, it's, it's tangential. It's like parallel, like people who are like, I remember we had a guy come in afterwards um, and he was like eating there and he was like, I was just talking to him and he was like, so are you going to be at Pebble Beach? And I'm like, I am cleaning the fucking walk-in cooler right now. I don't know what Pebble Beach is. I don't even know what state that's in. Like, that's not, no, I'm not going to be there. And, but it's stuff like that, that just like kind of keeps getting, dropped on you and you're like it's a pretty tough time to say no because you're like am i it's like everything appears to be an enormous fork in the road you know it's like if i do this then this and you have all these like and as an anxious person it's like you think the worst oh yeah my brain catastrophizes and it inevitably ends up with me uh living in a ditch uh, bunking with an alligator, <laughs> like it just, you know, my my therapist has this. <laughs> sorry to make That's you joke, um, but you know, my therapist has this thing about like take it, spin out the um, the anxious thoughts, the con- catastrophizing to the furthest possible place, and it 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 ends up with everybody abandoning me and really like living really in a ditch, like bunking with an alligator. I don't know why the alligator is there. That's just where it went. But you're right. So you have these moments of like, should I say, what if what happens if I say no to this? Right. Yeah. And I mean, just as an aside, my therapist has started using the, the phrase like, is that reasonable? Is that a reasonable thing Ooh. to think? And I'm just like, and not in like a condescending <laughs> right. way. I'm just like, she's like, you know, that's not going to happen. And just about stuff that I freak out about. Yeah. And it's great. It's actually a very helpful, calming, soothing um phrase but so yeah it was like i don't know it was um later in the year it was october and i i had a a two and a half year old at this point and i was doing all these events and i was i would basically like fly into chicago go to the um restaurant prep the event myself because everybody else is super busy running a restaurant and then fly out and do an event and drink too much. It was like it it was uh, it was awful. Yeah, honestly. I yeah I know that when I get into phases where I'm not in my best head and I'm traveling too much and I'm away from my support 
system that my my mind goes wonky and I you know I set up some self-care for myself on on the road there are certain podcasts that I listen to uh I travel with a little noise machine and oh smart yeah it's it's been uh that's helped an awful lot and I also know people who I can text and be like hey my brain's not doing super well and they'll be there but if you don't know to have that stuff set up it can get really dire on the on the road and especially I worry. I think about festivals a lot, yeah. um, and you know we're exploring some of the stuff that we're doing at the classic. And then I've had a role in other festivals too, where now we're setting up sober spaces or set up like daily events. There'll be a lot of places have AA meetings. Um, you know, just those those check in kind of things. Um, because I don't think people who don't participate in these as chefs or talent or whatever know what happens behind the scenes and it can get, there are no limits. It can, there's unlimited alcohol. You're away from your support system. It can get really incredibly raucous. Festivals have had deaths, uh, of, of chefs and there isn't a checkpoint and everybody's trying to continue the party. Right. Did anybody ever like on the road say like, Hey man, you know, maybe we go and we have an early night. You know, that's, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's the good thing or bad thing. Like, I'm never out of control. Yeah. Like, it's that's not. a very chef thing, too. <laughs> it's not one of those, like, holy cow, I'm falling down. Like, I'm literally the person taking, I'm, it, booze puts me in a great mood. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's fun. And, like, yeah. you know, I'm not, like, a stand on top of the bar kind of guy. But I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, we're good. This is fun. Like, mm-hmm. we get a nice conversation and all that kind of stuff. But. That's, you know, that's also confusing to me. Yeah. And it's like, there's also, I mean, the, there's the, the, there's, I don't know. I don't know if it's called like imposter syndrome or whatever. Oh, I know that one. But it's, it's a different level of it where there's, I mean, I wanted this. I wanted Best New Chef. Like, I mean, in a very weird way, you know, like unbelievable. And there's tons of young chefs out there who want the same thing. And it's just, you know, what am I going to do? Like complain about like going to cool, cool events, you know? And, but yes, absolutely. I am (laughs) because it's too much. It's too much for your body. I, I completely understand. I get to do a lot of really, really cool and, and interesting stuff. But the, the, you know, the way that I do it in particular, because I'm out there like talking to people about really super emotional stuff. And sure. I'm like, yes, I'm in this beautiful city, but I'm also like, you know, sitting in a room with with people talking about suicide or, you right. know, whatever it happens to be. And like, yes, there's a beautiful background there, too. But I I think the, you know, especially in this uh, last year where we have lost Anthony Bourdain, who had arguably the on paper coolest life of it's crazy, Anyone. right? Yeah. And that's one of those. And I, I think that was a real wake up call for a lot of people in the industry because he had, you know, he was living the dream. He was the line cook made good <laughs> who with that. And, and you see, I mean, I think it was just it was a really jarring moment for a lot of people, including, you know, those of us who you know knew him personally. And to see that dichotomy of you know, getting to have the experiences, getting to have all that that privilege and pleasure and all that kind of stuff. But having that thing in you yeah, that is wearing and where depression doesn't give a shit what your job is. It sure doesn't, you know, depression, anxiety, they really don't care what you, what you do. And I, you know, here are some people say like, Oh, you know, famous people, you, you know, whatever, what do they have to be depressed about? People don't get that. It's not about something. It's no. just what your fun, fun body and brain decided yeah. to. 
So what did that look like for you? So you said you're you're out there and it's it's too much. You come back to the restaurant. Were you able to keep a handle on the restaurant at this particular time? And what did home look like at that point? Um, home looked uh, home was we we had a couple of miscarriages in that time. I'm so My sorry. wife did. Yeah, and it's just like one of those things where I, I the the you know it it happens and i get it, it but it's like a lot. i have yeah. never seen my wife that sad before oh, you know what i mean and it's just yeah. like and you can't fix her I, there's nothing i can do and we have this two and a half year old who's um perfect yeah and i'm not being her dad and i remember i tell this story a lot and i'm i i don't know if i've ever called him out by name but i'm going to this time and i hope it doesn't embarrass him um but i was doing an event with gerard Kraft. Mm-hmm. And he is a uh, thoughtful, wise, uh, just he was like my Yoda. You know, I was like a kid and he's like this guy and I'm like sitting in a car with him and we're going to like the fucking farmer's market or some shit. And I'm just like depressed. I'm we're in Napa, like going to a farmer's market. I'm like, there can't be anything better than this <laughs> with Gerard Kraft. Like, this is great. And we start talking about kids and he starts telling me about like, you know, his thoughts. He had a, an uh, older kid and like, I think they were pregnant again. And um, he told me a story about like n- not feeling like he knew his kid and, and vice versa. And man, it hit home. Like it was like, and that, I think that was in 2000, that was like a year before. So it's like, it was like weighing on me like the whole time. And it was like the whole time, like through food and wine and and stuff like that. And like, you know, beard semifinals, like who gives a shit? It's like, I'm looking at my kid going like, do you know me? Do I know you? Like, and they're two and a half. But then I, I remember like just, yelling at her one day and she like looks at me and she's two and a half and she's like why are you so angry at me and i'm just like that's it i'm done (laughs) like we're good i'm gonna be better and i need to make a change and you know at this point my wife was pregnant with our our uh youngest daughter and you know it's not it it's not like one of those it's it's definitely not an easy thing but it was like i had been at nightwood for five years Mm -hmm. so like internally like it was like five years. That's good. a good benchmark. That's good. <laughs> but then it's like, you know, people like to kick you when you're down mm-hmm. and, and they do it unintentionally, I believe, and non-maliciously. But with like social media, yeah, it's like you see one fucking tweet or, you know, a bunch of people unfollow you after you quit your job. Oh and they God. go, you know, not that I care, but like but at that point when you're like, you're like. Everything hurts extra. Yeah. You're pretty vulnerable. You're like. You're like, holy shit, did I just fuck up my career, yeah. you know? But it's like, I don't know. I Now I know I didn't, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, fuck those people. I mean, <laughs> like, you really, know? And, and I imagine to, you know, the, you know, I always sort of look at how media is complicit in, in things because the, you love a good shit show, you love a good, you know, whatever, right? and trying to figure out the thing. And I, I, I do think there's been much of a, a turn toward compassion, much so, because as people realize, like, what chefs are actually dealing with and the fact that you never know what go- is going on. And I always say, you never know what. But just people, not even chefs. I mean, yeah. like, that's the thing. It's like humanity is so fucking being a person is hard. It, I say this all the time. It is hard being a person and just putting yourself into the world, like leaving your bed 
is a hard thing to do. I don't care what your life is. If you have the best job in the world, if you have the shittiest job in the world, if you have all these things like zipping on your human suit <laughs> is really hard. And I'm a white straight male. It's like, <laughs> if it's this hard for me, yeah. I can't even fucking imagine. It's like, it's. It, I, I think about this on a regular basis. And like, I, I have every privilege in the world. I'm, you know, I'm a straight, white, cisgender, married uh, woman with uh, health insurance and a job. And it's, you know, and, and it can be this this difficult. So, I, which makes me think like, it, you know, it's my moral duty to Absolutely. go and, yeah, to go and make it a little bit easier for other people if it's, you know, talking about it or, or whatever it is. Be an ally. Yeah, yeah, and it's and that can manifest in all different ways. And we will definitely talk about this. But what did you do for yourself? And that you said you you walked you you, you quit. How did you? What what did quitting look like? Uh, quitting was good. It was amicable, and it was you know just with, like with your partners or with yeah. I mean, I was an employee, so okay, it wasn't so even you know like we didn't have any like legal stuff to figure out okay. or anything like that. So that was the the divorce was easy and like and they knew what you needed. Yeah, I mean, I. I think so. I mean, like I had definitely, you know, my sous chef at the time, who's my partner now, Ben, um, you know, he, he is somebody who over the years I've known him now for, we've worked together now for 12 years and it's like, you can look at him and he can, you know, I can say like, I am fucking depressed yeah, and I need to do this for myself. And he's, um, such a, human about it like and he you know we we talk we were able to talk like that we're able to say things like i love you you know it's mm -hmm. like it's a very it's a great relationship you know what i mean and having somebody like him where i say like listen i have to, i i'm leaving you know like i'm not going to work here anymore he goes you know well i i understand you know it's not and then uh the guy i was working for jason hamill like he'd been my boss for nine years at that point. He was like, I understand, you know? Yeah. And it's like I said, I've, I've, I'm very fortunate, like in who I've worked for my, um, boss when I was 14, a guy named Dave Spisha at, um, Pizzazz in Cleveland. Pizzazz. Pizzazz. <laughs> Four Z's. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of Z's. <laughs> you know, he, he, he had a temper, like, I mean, it definitely, like, it happened, but, I mean, not in a, not in a, I don't know what kind of mood Dave's going to be in today. That's the worst. Yeah. yeah, it's the worst. And I've never worked for that person. So, you know, most of the time, Dave would come in like, hey, how are you? You know, like, and it's just, it's just. You know, and this was in like 1990, you know, which like, where people were definitely, uh, that was a different restaurant culture. Yeah. And it was just, you know, this is what I expect of you. This is what you expect of me. And he, he taught me a ton about just being a person, but then I had to go through all the angst and all the, Oh yeah. You know, culinary <laughs> well, school and the what, weird shit. What were, what were your bands that you listened to? At oh that place? man. Who, who were you at this? <laughs> uh, morphine. Okay. I yep. think was, was, <laughs> was real big. Um, I was in a, <laughs> <laughs> I was in a metal band called the Dreaded Stoners. <laughs> oh, are there recordings? Are there uh, visual? I don't know if audio? anybody out there has them. They can. <laughs> we, we had we had a couple. We uh, two of them. Two of the members were in. Um, uh, it was like a. 
it was a it was therapy. It was music therapy. Yeah. So there was a recording studio since they like <laughs> were in they were like bad kids. So they got to go to this like music th- therapy. So we had a Amazing. recording studio, and we would just go in there and we would like record. It was great. Oh, that incredible! <laughs> would that everybody had that outlet at, at that point, like sort of end of high school, and and that I was I, I was you know goth kid down in my basement painting and yeah. <laughs> anarchy symbols yeah. and like Bauhaus uh, like logos and yeah. stuff on the wall. So when you when you left, then what did you? do with yourself during that time because you were a person who had been working in restaurants since you were that age and identify as a chef. If you have an anxious brain like mine and they manifest in all different ways, I have the internal accountant, but you have not earned your keep in the world today. You have to accomplish something or else like you can't go to bed. You can't sleep. What did you, how did you shut that off? How did you spend your time? Um, well, there was a baby. Mm-hmm. So that's Don't a forget. that's a chunk of time. So you have a, a you have a baby, and did you have two babies at that point? Yeah, there was a, a newborn at that point and a three and a half year old. Okay, so that keeps you pretty busy. Yeah, and my wife got her company's great, and she got three months off of work, so we were able to like spend that time. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie, we we are still paying back the loans that we took out to yeah. you know make up for my income um, four years later, but. Um, you know, we definitely had my wife is an angel, and What's we definitely Marianne. Marianne. What if I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh. just exists in my head. <laughs> um, she's great, and she is unbelievably supportive. And when I, you know, I've been very depressed around her at points in our in our marriage, and it's never. She's never. She's never taken a pot shot at me because of it. Do you know what I mean? I, oh God, yeah. And it's so, I recognize it and I understand that. And like, what a big deal that is. Cause I'm not that patient of a person, but she is a fucking angel. There was actually a plot point recently on the hit show. This is us where, Mm. uh, there's a character who has pretty severe anxiety and his, and there's a, they're, they're a really great couple and she takes a pot shot at him about his anxiety. And it just, hit me to the core is I, you know, I let my husband know as soon as we started dating and I was like, look, here's what you're getting into and, and you walk away, feel free. You know, I'm, I'm warning you up front and he was bringing on and I, it has been the the greatest pleasure and privilege of, of my life is, you know, being with this partner who I don't have to hide my worst self from. He's seen me through some some pretty pretty dark shit. Because you can't like when you're in, when you're at that point when you're low when you're mm-hmm. really low like the last thing you want to have to do is like figure out how to make people think that you're not. Oh, it's you exhausting. I, the sparkle and tap dance. Yeah. <laughs> I call so, and well, the thing is also with uh, depressed or anxious people, like once you do go out into the world, like you feel like. I, at least for me, I, I know that I would have to be sort of extra on so nobody sure. would guess. And it, it finally took sort of, I was talking about it as a coming out as, and I did it in a very, very public fashion, you know, with CNN saying like, hey, oh, really? oh yeah, yeah. I wrote a couple essays. <laughs> I uh, wrote an essay in, was that, what year was that? Um, about uh, depression and my world with that. And then a couple of years later with anxiety. And it was, it changed my life because I didn't have to pretend anymore. Right. I mean, I still, you know, if I'm at my worst, I'm not going to super be in public with it. But you're also, you know, you have little kids and you're, 
you're trying to model behavior for them. And that's got to be such a tough thing. You know, I grew up with a depressed parent and I could tell I always assumed it was my fault somehow. Right. Yeah. So how do you figure out how to be a person who lives with this stuff? And, you know, you've got kids and, you know, you want better for them. And how, or you, how do you have that conversation with them about like, daddy's not mad at you? Right. I mean, honestly, I, I, my, I don't think she would mind me saying this and I hope she doesn't. My mom was depressed when I was younger and she has, I don't know if she's medicated. I kind of doubt it. I'll ask her, but she spent years working through it and it was never, I never really saw it as like my fault. I just knew she wasn't happy sometimes. And, you know, looking back to her mother, um, you could see traits of that too. And especially now that I'm like, this is, this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I can remember being a kid and saying grandma was depressed, you Mm -hmm. know, the hindsight's amazing, but it's, it's pretty remarkable. The, and I think it's pretty recent and like, you know, I, I really, I just want to say, I really do appreciate you coming out because if more, if more people did, and I think since they have, um, it just, it, it does the thing. It normalizes it. And like, yeah. you don't feel like a fucking freak. The, the feeling like a fucking freak is, it's exhausting and it kills people. Yeah. I mean, to have, I know people around who I respect and love to really publicly say like, Hey, here's what it looks like. And, yeah. and people who I, you know, trust with that. It, the normalizing is, is huge. Andrew Zimmern, is that for me a lot? He he's the, he's been there for me in some really really dark moments. And you look at him, and you know you see this super gregarious guy right. who's running around the world and and you know in a good mood and all this kind of stuff. But he speaks really openly about it. Um, I, I'm thinking of all the like the people in our culinary world who are open about it. Um, Daniel Patterson, you know, is has has been. Um, David Chang has come on this show and and talked about it and. I, you know, I did this survey with Chefs with Issues when I started it out, um, and I asked people, you know, how, what the, what are you dealing with, you know, all, all these kind of questions, and it occurred to me that the stat that came back uh, was that a huge percentage of people in kitchens and in restaurants were dealing with this, but they weren't saying anything to each other because they didn't want to be thought of as weak or crazy. Right. And that's a particularly kitchen mindset. I mean, it's in the culture at large. But the, there's a kitchen mindset to that too. Were you were you worried about judgment from people when you left? Did you tell people why? Uh, no, because I, I honestly I don't think I knew why. I mean, yeah. like there's a there's just a very basic term for when you can't go on in in kitchens, and it's just you say you're fried and yeah. you know, or you're burned out or something like that. And you know, I, it it was for me. It was like a before. It was like a. a Badge, like I've burned out like three times, and yeah. like you know, I like had well, was like it's fucking Gosh, stupid, man. yeah. <laughs> but it's like I really do think that um, it's a it's a there is a generational divide because you know the the millennials are they're much better at God, so articulate. at figuring this out, and it's like it's not, uh, you know, I've I've opened up to people about suicide and and 
trying to get them to like understand that it's okay to like go see a therapist mm-hmm. and go, you know, get on Prozac, like do what, you know, it, there's no shame in it. And like, just had, the, had the response come back, go, go, I'm not ashamed about it. <laughs> oh, like, I, God just, bless I just opened up to you about suicide, man. And you're like, no, I'm good. Yeah, like, like I'll go on Prozac. Yeah. Where's the therapist? That's so <laughs> like, good. So fucked up. I know. Cause like, I'm just a few years older than you. Would people are not, I mean, I was talking about it in, in high school just because, you know, I had a serious crash at like 13, 14, super depressed, yeah. went on medication and all that. And I would open up to people who I sort of thought needed it, but we didn't talk about that. You know, I, you know, you just kind of didn't. So I would whisper it to people and then I just kind of got louder and louder with it. But I see now no, it's, it's so great. Sure. It's awesome. It's really good. But I think there's still a lot of ground to cover with people. You know, I think Gen X basically, and, yeah. you know, and some, it's funny, some of the boomers too, I'm, I'm seeing some of them Finally, crack open that crack open that door. Prozac. I'm uh, I'm Vivance. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. My anxiety is treated with Vivance and uh, and medical marijuana, (laughs) which that's a brand new thing for me. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's been good. I mean, I I went through Effexor. I was on Effexor too long, and and going off that nearly killed me. Oh man, that sucked bad. Um, But I just want to say, since we brought up suicide, I just want to shout this out as I often do. Uh, Crisis text line is available twenty four seven. You text seven four one seven four one, and a a volunteer will be there and. And they will listen to you for as long as you need and get you any help that you need. And I swear by them. I am a, I'm trained with them and they, they, they save lives. I mean, and we have to talk about suicide because, uh, since Tony, I know of at least I've lost track. It's in the high teens of suicides in the industry that I know about. And those are just the ones that I know about since, since then. And it was, it was a taboo word for a long time, but I know Chicago has had some loss. Yeah. I mean, even just outside of the industry, like I try and I try and keep tabs on like, I mean, that's why I was saying my Twitter is pretty angry because it's all like politics and stuff, and <laughs> right just, there with you. you know, fuck Trump and all that. So, <laughs> but like, then there's, you know, guys like, um, Jake Tapper at CNN who yeah. just kind of like, you know, they are like, they force these stats of like, you know, of, of vets who mm-hmm. are committing suicide down down your throat and it's just it is so hard yeah. to not feel that there's something so broken with us yeah as a world as a people that we are okay with just putting people in these situations where they're not going to come out of it right and then not taking care of them. It's insanity. Yeah. I have to say, um, yeah, I know not everybody is a CNN fan, but I worked there for five years and they were who let me come out very publicly um, when I was there, even though I was the food editor. They're like, this is, <laughs> this is great. Um, and then they you know, let me write stories that were That's awesome. n- not about food and just about mental health. And, you know, they were, they were super, there was a really good open dialogue with them about it. So I know a lot of people don't love their politics, <laughs> And stuff, but I, they are good. The humanity of of it is a really extraordinary thing. And I remember doing a lot of reporting um, there uh, and talking to community, like communities of color, where there might be a stigma, a taboo. There's military, there are farmers. Agricultural suicides are through the roof. And and there's flat out studies. I mean, the, yeah. the Supreme Court's about to see this this. Uh, if it's okay to discriminate on people who are transgender Jeez. and it's like, if, and that Betsy DeVos, um, um, congressional hearing like last week where she's like, yeah, we know that, you know, trans, trans kids commit suicide at a higher rate if they're not protected or, you know, it's, and she's like, 
That's how it is. It's like, fuck that shit. Yeah, that is not that how shit. it is. And I, I feel like the culinary industry is getting better. I hope maybe this is me being hopeful, but thinking about more inclusive environments because like a lot of it, you see kind of who works in restaurant kitchens. Well, it's funny because there are the people who work in restaurant kitchens who are in the back and you never necessarily see a lot of the faces uh, that you see sort of celebrated are, you know, straight white men and um, the front of house, you know, I think, I think there's going through a change. How, what do you see that the industry is doing, or you can talk about what you do in your particular kitchen to make sure that it's super inclusive, that people of all gender expressions and orientations and skin colors and and creeds and and everything are not just welcome but protected in your in your kitchens. How do you how do you set that up? Um, well, I guess two things. The the I think the industry at large is doing a a really great realignment to include people, food and wine, um, um, the beards, like everybody's making that effort. The thing that I'll I'll be honest, like scares the shit out of me Mm -hmm. is the people are the people who are still pulling the strings. And I'm not, this is not like, this is what's happening in food and wine or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. still the same old white men who are making the decisions and the pendulum is going to swing back because we just had a list come out in Chicago and I'll be honest, it was predominantly Caucasian and predominantly male. And it's like, not cool. Like, no, like you can't do that for one year. You can't, (laughs) you you can't can't be inclusive and a normal person for one year and put out a list that's actually representative. I mean, Chicago is a pretty segregated city. Yeah, it is. And you can't put out a list that's inclusive of the entire city, the South and West sides and the North side. And then all of a sudden just, shrink it back the next year it's like it's it's trash it's garbage and sorry oh no i'm just saying i think i think that has a lot to do with the hiring of who is doing the writing doing the assigning public uh, it's i think it's a systemic problem that i uh, that i think more and more publications are addressing but if you don't come into it with that that lens of of having people of all different backgrounds write the stories they're they're gonna have just a pretty narrow scope uh, of you know even where to look and and I th- really think we need to go through a grand period of discomfort and especially for, for people with privileges to be feel pretty uncomfortable. And right. It needs to be a very necessary thing. I'm volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> Leave <laughs> me off all your fucking lists. <laughs> Put somebody else, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like not even, the thing is, it's like if you do it one year, mm-hmm. it's a blip and it's just, it's, it's not good enough. It's, it is, it's garbage. And like the the thing is, it, it might be a, a difficult thing to find. You know what I yeah. mean? But it's for the next generation. It's for the little black girl on the southwest side of Chicago who is in a Kitchen Possible you know, course. And she's seeing all these chefs uh, come through who are women and, um, and chefs of color and, and white people. And um, she sees the diversity and she understands that I can, I can be that. And then in 20 years, she's on the cover of Food and Wine. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like it's a long slog, but man, it is fucking worth it. It's I we just the 
episode that just aired was uh, Kwame Onwachi and his book very is impressive. I cannot say enough good things about his memoir. I'm a Top Chef fan. <laughs> yes, I mean he he's so I'm just a Kwame fan in general, and he uh, he was one of our best new chefs um, in this most recent yep. class. And, I just wrote him a postcard. Oh, thank you for doing that. <laughs> and you know, and his book I was I was telling him, and I you know I, I wrote a little blurb that they you know sent out with it, and and saying I think it'll change the face of who is welcome in kitchens, but he wrote a communal table essay recently that he still has delivery people coming in there and uh, you know wondering right. who the chef is even though it's his executive chef on on his thing so what does that look like sort of systemically like what can chefs and what should chefs be or you know people in hiring positions at restaurants do for front and back of house to make sure that people know even to come and apply there what what are the ways that they can do that i mean i personally I, I I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, I would think I for what we're gonna do for our next place, Chef Special, it's like you we have a hiring um void and we're trying the same um you know, th- this is where we'll put it out and this is where we'll do it. It's mm-hmm. like fuck that shit. Like we're gonna physically walk uh flyers mm-hmm. down to the south and west side of Chicago and put them up and put them in stores and community centers and you know other places where people congregate and people need jobs and you know we're going to try as hard as we can to coordinate schedules so people can have the schedules that they need Rick Bayless actually who we were just talking about yeah, is he's doing great on this. he's doing a a program called the Hatchery where he trains that you know, kids from the south and west side between 16 and 24, um, you know, over a 12 week period, and then places them at places like Giant and Chef Special, and it's great. And it's like you just have to, you have to do something. You have to like figure out that not everybody. Some people, some people like to say, I prefer green. You know workers and whatever and some people say I'll only hire you know people who have however much experience however much experience is a done deal that doesn't exist anymore and it's like if we're not going to take the time to invest in a 16 year old kid and say yes you know what I'm going to pay you $16 an hour to come in three hours a day after school I'm going to pay your bus fare so you can get up here transportation thing is it's huge it's huge. Uh, and it's thing, a thing where it might be, you know, on a restaurant's bottom line, might not be the biggest thing you pay for. But if, for, if you're that kid, that's everything. That's the yeah. breaking those barriers that are, you know, our subway fare, our, you know, tra- transportation of, of some sort, the accommodations that it takes for different people's lives. I, when we did this mentorship training, we uh, Tom Colicchio was was part of it, and he was saying that he had uh, transformed his question of you know early in his career, like just you're late, and instead asking like why were you late? Yeah, and, are you okay? Yeah, and and seeing is there something in there where maybe somebody's you know be like well you know my my mother's in the hospital, my you know whatever you know something happened to be, and having that that human sensibility about it. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today and saying like it's free to be nice. Oh or kind, <laughs> totally you know, it's, it's not that freaking hard to be a human being. And, and it's, you know, and I, and I think training people out of that mentality where it's all about being just like hardcore pirate ship. 
Right. <laughs> I, I was on a panel with somebody and they were, that was their question. Like, you know, everybody knows kitchens are like a pirate ship or blah. I'm just like, that sounds fucking awful. Like <laughs> who scurvy. wants to be on a fucking pirate ship? Yeah. Like I want to be on a baseball team. I want to, you know, I want like, I want to sit in the dugout and shoot the shit and go up and do my job. And everybody, you know, if I don't do my job, you're going to help me. And you know, that kind of thing, you're going to drop some balls. You're going to make some great plays. Like it's light. Shit happens. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's been that sort of transformation from it, and like you know, God bless our friend Anthony Bourdain, but he, he loved the pirate ship and romanticized it, and then came to a point later where he realized like, oh crap, and you know, and and sort of walked a lot of that back, and because I think he saw what the you know the the toll is of it, and the toll is the toll's been real. Yeah, there are a lot of people who aren't around anymore, and whether they burned out or they died, you know, there's there's it's real, and we have to address it. But I mean, in fairness, there are there are still people who, you know, we have a couple people at at Giant who are, they, they like they like working a lot. Yeah, they like doing great. that, and and it's not that they're like, um, I don't I don't know how to say this. They're not the bad kids. Yeah. you know what I mean. We don't have bad kids. They're still good people. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just like to like they're more serious than others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's their that's their nature, and going back to the you know the sixteen year old kid who's traveling from the south side, mm-hmm. it's like yeah you want to ask him if everything's okay, but if the answer is constantly like I didn't feel like showing up on time, yeah. then he gets fired too. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. not you know, it's not complete. It's still a business. It's not yeah. complete hippy dippy. But the people that are there again, like you know, Dave Specia told me. You take care care of me. I'm gonna take care of you, mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a healthy place. That's you know? a really healthy is you know I'm I'm learning more and more about what that looks like for for different kind of people, and I know that when you deal with anxiety, depression, uh, you know whatever your condition happens to be. I never say cured. I hate that word or fixed or whatever. It's, it's ongoing. It's the work. It's the long, long work. And some days you wake up and think like, damn it, I've done the work. Why am I still, (laughs) why am I two steps back? Like, why does it still feel this? And I I just call it a bad brain day, a bad body day. And what I've done is give myself permission for more of those. So, so when you're, you're in this time of, of taking time out, like, what did you do to swing out of, of that phase of it and go back into a kitchen? What was, what was the thing that, what was the transformation there for you? Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I don't know if I ever really thought that I wouldn't end up back in a kitchen. I this mean, was a break rather than a hard stop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I knew I wasn't going to go be an English teacher. <laughs> Not too late. Um, yeah, but I'd like, I had this, <laughs> I had like this moment where I was like in college and I'm just like, I'm going to end up teaching 10th graders Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> and I fucking hate Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I'm not like I can't do this. Um and you know, so I knew I wasn't going to do that and like I definitely kicked around a bunch of like well, what if I move to Hyde Park and become an instructor at the CIA yeah. or you know, that's a possibility. Um but just everything. What if I'm a stay-at-home dad? Like, what mm-hmm. if we move to Cleveland and it's more affordable? Like, we looked at houses mm-hmm. in Cleveland. And then um, my wife, who's, again, much smarter. Shout out to Marianne. Much smarter than I am, <laughs> um, was just kind of like she was, you know, it couldn't afford my shrink. And, 
figured I wouldn't need one during the break. So she kind of like, well, what about this? And what about this? What do you think about this? And like, not in a, not in a get off the couch kind of way. Cause I was taking care of two kids. I mean, I wasn't doing nothing. Um, but she was just like, I don't know if you're going to be happy, like being a stay at home dad. And she would just say it frankly. And, and having known me and who knows if she's right, she probably is. <laughs> she's always right. Um, but I, I signed the lease at Giant um, without having an architect, a designer, a contractor, or all the money. Wow. <laughs> so it was like, I, it was just intense. one of those like, yeah, like plug your nose and like, this is the space. Here we go. But then I had like a lot of time to figure that stuff out. You, you know what I mean? Do you have partners? Do you have, how does that work? Uh, investors and like a couple of my investors are, um, pretty, Oh, I I will, I will share my water with you. (laughs) They're just, um, they, one guy in particular was like, I see something in you. You're, you know, a hardworking kid from the Midwest. And that, that was his like mantra. And he was like, here's this much money to pay the rent while you figure it out and to get a business plan done and things like that. And I'm like, you know, very fortunate. Like, there's no other way to spin it. It's like, I mean, I sometimes look at my life and I'm just like, man, I'm in the right place at the right time. And like, I've made the decisions where it's like, I don't have to do those events anymore. And I don't have to like, I get to do stuff like this and talk about how I feel. And it's very hippy dippy. And for me, this is, this is therapy, like making sure that somebody else knows that other people go through it and like I'm fucking D-list chef like and that's great we all go through it you know what I mean like it's it's important there is a just today um there is a, a chef and I feel like I can say his name because he has offered to write a communal table or actually I asked him if he would do this um Jason Alley oh man he's the best he's selling his place and trying to figure out what is next he's got a fantastic beautiful place called pasture yeah and he said you know what I'm gonna try to figure out what's next what and I've noticed um we were the, just down there for his his uh fire and fork oh he's so so talented and he's put in the work yeah. on himself and has been very very public about putting in, in the work on himself and trying to figure out what's next. And I've noticed this mini wave of chefs from their mid 40s to their early 50s saying like, you know what, pause and either I'm getting out, like Greg Baker is like, I'm done. Right. Um, Jimmy Bradley is sort of like a pause, getting out, you know, not sure what's coming next. What would you say to somebody who's maybe scared to take that time, afraid they're going to go off everybody's radar, afraid somehow, like the, if you get off the merry-go-round, it's, you're not going to be able to jump back on. Uh, th- they might be right. I mean, I've had a lot of phone conversations like with friends of mine who are far more successful than I am. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's it that's what they want to talk about. They're like, you know, I'm fucking fried. Like this isn't going the way I thought it was or it would. Um, what's, what's going to happen to me if I say I'm taking two years off and it's like, it would be incredibly irresponsible for me to be like, yeah, do it. You know, (laughs) like fucking jump off the cliff. It's like, I, I don't know. Like it's so, there's so many factors to it. And you know, I, for any of them that I've spoken to that, do you have kids? Yeah. You know, and I, I try and say it in the most like kind of 
banal way, like, you know, like, are you going to get this time back? You know, I don't try and like say like, you know, you should do it this or you shouldn't do it. It's just like, like, think about it. You know, you need to think about that. Um, because what that time gave off gave me is that if I was going to get back into restaurants, it like I was going to have a normal life also. And everybody that I worked with was going to have a normal life also. And so far, so good. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's, it's also because we're busy. So if we like stop being busy, like, I don't know, maybe we just close instead of going through that like painful, you know, like, okay, everybody needs to work more and have, you know, your quality of life is what's going to get sacrificed. It's like, fuck that shit. It's just a restaurant. So what what does the structure look like for people to be able to have a life and do more? Then grab your water if you want Thank to. Thank you. This water is so good. <laughs> I feel very parched. It's these today. porn lights you got. It's, it's pretty intense. <laughs> um, I think they're porn lights. <laughs> Wouldn't know. <laughs> um, uh, Four-day work week. Um, for everyone? For everyone. Yeah, I mean, not me uh, or my partners, but, you know, I... Um, Four day work week, we pay as much as we can. We we have a system in place where everybody gets health insurance, um, which you know you don't really think about. Like we had one of the front of the house came up to me the other day and she was like, "I just you know want to thank you for that." And this isn't one of those like Trump, sir. He was yeah. crying and now <laughs> thank you, sir. It's like we had a conversation because she's using her health insurance and it's like if she was incurring these bills. I didn't ask what it was for. Like, that's none of my business. But it's like, if she was incurring these bills and unable to pay them, then all of a sudden she's going to try and work five days a week. And it's just, it's a vicious cycle. So it's like, or she's going to need a different job or, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's stress. And she's, who needs that? You know what I mean? So there's those kind of things. And then there's, you know, time off and, and we're trying to figure out, um, our finances for the next, um, you know, five year plan. If we can try and, I don't want to say we're going to do this, but I'd love, <laughs> I'd love it if everybody could take a month long sabbatical God, every year lovely. and still get paid, you know, yeah. like that would be incredible. I don't know if it's possible, but it's like, it's an idea. And if we don't at least put pen to paper to see if it's possible, then we're not doing our part. That's you humane. Know. I mean, I, I, I know that like friends in New Orleans, I, I was just visiting there, have talked about how to do that because they know summers are dead. People right. really, I mean, there are some conventions that come now during the, the summer, but they're trying to figure out like, how do we take care of people? Like, can you trade them to a friend in another city to work for there? Can, you know, is, is there some sort of, it's got to be systemic. I think you have to have it, it sort of settled with other people around you so they can you know, trade around and pick it up or something, yeah. but it's, that's a good idea. Yeah. We'll see what, what happens. Who, who do you think is doing it right out there? Who do you want to shout out for doing a, a good job at people? Um, I, I think the Ace Hotel actually, I mean, that's why we partnered with them. They do, they do a great job. You know, it was one of my big questions. It was like, you know, so at giant, we provide health insurance. They're like, Oh, we do too. hundred percent covered mm. for everybody. Like, you know, it's not, I think, I think the people who are doing it the most right, and this is not to say other people who are who are trying and doing it a little bit right are wrong, um, are the ones who are kind of taking the whole the the egalitarian system of like we're the owners and we're the managers and you're the you know 
whatever line cooks and you know then there's in the front of the house and there's this like it's you know this striation of like it's like a plebe system or whatever (laughs) yeah and it's sucks it's garbage it's like you know the dishwasher has the same who's you know not to say she's the low man on the totem pole she has the exact same insurance i do and there's no reason that she shouldn't you know what i mean and it's it's i think people that can see a restaurant or a business i mean again like it's not just restaurants who can see the scope of their life that they have control over because they're the owner of this business as a whole instead of compartmentalized in a really weird fucked up way for no reason um are the ones who are going to who are going to benefit i think everybody's going to benefit from everybody and again like not to be super hippy dippy if somebody's fucking up fire them you know what i mean yeah. this is not this this is in no way a free pass to you know some sort of like inmates running the asylum but it's important you know and i think it's better yeah. But what the fuck do I know? I I'm, I know I'm, I'm right there with it. like everybody has to take care of each other because I really think all boats rise and sink together. Totally. Yeah, and and you can feel it in the as a consumer as a guest you can feel it when you go into a restaurant and things are just off kilter and yeah. and you can tell if like you know, the the runner is having a cruddy time of it. I was in a restaurant yesterday and and somebody was like yelling at the runner in a way that was not cool. Not and, cool. Yeah. And Who you, wants to go to work and get yelled at? <laughs> no. Nobody. And, <laughs> no. And we were sort of near where they were expediting. And I was kind of like, hey, we can hear you. <laughs> kind of, and it was nuts. It is just dinner. It, I like that you're saying this. <laughs> like, it's it's just. It's just fucking dinner. <laughs> it's just fucking dinner. And it's like, I've never worked. I worked. I did a, a six month stage at Arzac in Spain. Oh, and that's it's like, intense. Is that a, that's a female run? Elena was, yeah. was in charge. Uh, she was. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. There were, I mean, there was definitely the the chef de cuisine as a was a guy named Peo, was homosexual, and it was just very like you know, just at that point in my life, two thousand one, I was just like, that's so cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is cool. And they even there, it was never. I mean, I got yelled at. But <laughs> Did you deserve it? Yeah, <laughs> totally. But it was still, you know. We've cooked the, you know, sit down for family meal twice a day. It was still like, go take a walk. It was still enjoy your siesta. It was still, you know, it was very human. It was, I've gotten very lucky with the places that I've worked. And you've made a place that's good to work too. Yeah. Which is a really, it made a shitty person if I worked in all these great places. (laughs) And then I was like, I was like, but you know what I'm going to do? Screw you. (laughs) Person moving up the ladder. Make all this money off this 44 seat restaurant. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. You do have a restaurant coming up. Yeah. Which is bigger. Um, It's a bar. And we. You know, I don't know. It's it's another one of those things. Like when I so I raised the money for for Giant, and then um, my partners Ben and Josh, we just gave them. I, I just gave them a piece of the restaurant, right off the bat. So they're owners. They own the the business. They could walk away the next day, and they would still own the business for the rest of their lives. And my lawyer thought I was crazy, but it's like it's the same thing. It's like it's not, it's not. You can be some slick talking, you know, whatever, and, you know, say like, we want you to treat it like it's your own, or we want you to really take ownership over it. It's like, why? Why would somebody do that? I mean, like, 
there needs to be that. So like for the new place, we took three employees from Giant um, and did the same thing. Like mm. just gave them a piece of the business. So it so. is to treat it like your own because it is. It has to. It has to be, you know. And we were like, but it's it's also it's such it's um it's a it's a great feeling for us too because like we're we're actually in New York because we paid off our investors at Giant, so this is like a celebration. Congratulations! Thanks. Oh, that is huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's Giant <laughs> it's, even. <laughs> it's a different. It's a feeling that I've never felt before. And is that just a weight lifted off your, it is. So you get to have new nightmares now. <laughs> yeah. So let's borrow more money. Yeah. Um, so we were sitting around last night. We were, um, at Mineta Tavern. Oh, and what a great place. Burgers. Burgers. Oh, yeah. It's a good burger. It's a good burger. Um, and we were talking about like how we were going to structure employee appreciation and like what kind of parties we were going to have now that we're going to have two places. And like, sometimes it gets a little weird because not everybody knows everybody and you mm-hmm. really want to like, you know, celebrate like this one group and they know, you know what I mean? It's just, so we're like, <laughs> this is our dinner conversation. We're like going around the table and whatever. And I was like, well, you know, we just brought on three new partners who are owners. Like when we're all like, Oh Yeah they should plan the parties oh. and then tell us when to come. But it's like, <laughs> but it's such a like, that you know, ownership is huge. It is. It's like, they're going to, they're going to knock it out of the park. And we're, you know, we, we've bundled ourselves up in like the, the old white guy thing where it's like, how do we have a fun party? You know, it's like, <laughs> let them fucking do it. They're, this is their place. And like, we'll show up and we'll, ha- you know, have too much to drink and it'll be great. <laughs> You know what you've set up for yourself there? You've set up a legacy, too. (laughs) Legacy and a life. That ain't bad. Well, it's like, but the thing is, again, they could, you know, it's a gamble and like, you know, life is full of gambles. But it's like if if all three of them walked away today, we'd have to figure it out tomorrow. I mean, like, I, I obviously don't want that to happen, but it's like that's, that's, there's no other way to show people that you trust them than to say here you go this is your business like you have to i love that what would you say to yourself the night that you won best new chef or maybe the next morning oh man um (laughs) uh it's um it is life-changing immediately And you can kind of, it's one of those, it's like a, it's like a superpower for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, a lot of people that I know, like used it to, um, you know, travel to Italy for three months and like, you know, it's a great foot in the door and you all of a sudden know all these people, but it's like, it is, um, having the chance to look back on it. It is people, you know what I mean? Like, you can go meet people. Please, everybody try to be a best new chef because it's <laughs> fucking awesome. But you you have to like see it as what it is. It's like it's a thing. It's it's in a way material. You know what I mean? And I will say if I could tell myself this, prepare yourself for the fact that 10 other people are going to get it the next year. And that can be like a, a little bit of a gut punch. 
because you are literally on top of your own world. But it's like the world spins on with, you know, you can stand still and like daydream and gaze off into the clouds and, you know, look up a list that you're on the same list as Thomas Keller. It's like, that's a big deal. But I mean, I could type a piece of paper and put my name next to Thomas Keller's. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's not, it is just stuff, yeah. you know? I like where you've landed with this. It's, it's just dinner. It's just stuff. Always. Family, restaurant, whatever else. Well, in this hierarchy of needs and wants and things, a question. Maslow that, never thought he'd be talking oh about this. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. Well, there, you know, a question I ask everybody is, and this is you putting it out to the universe because I really do believe in saying something out loud so it can happen. Um, because you, you, you've put this. I, I agree. Yeah. That's a good way to make, th- to make sure things happen. Just say it. Yeah. So you, you've done a lot of things for, for other people and you take care of, of, of family and people around you. And what is the thing that you want for yourself? Um, I, I would like to see the benefit of some of these things like we, and I'm, this is, I, this is not a humble brag or anything like that, but like we do a lot of work for like you know, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and things like that. I would like to see the fucking fruits of those labors. Like Mm -hmm. I'd like to see, um, and you do, you see it in small, I just want like the big, the Mm -hmm. groundswell. I want like the, the, the big, you know, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but I want to see the climax. Like I want to see that. I want to feel the, like, you know, I want the Supreme court decision to go the right way. I want the ACLU to be more, you know, to, to, to fix everything. And I know that's like ridiculous, but you gotta want it. You gotta want it. Right. Or else why do it? You know, um, I'd like to, (laughs) I'd like the world to be a better place. Like, honestly. Well, and that is the altruistic thing. What's the selfish thing you want? (laughs) Um, I don't know. Finish this tattoo would be good. What is that one? This is people who cannot (laughs) see it on. This is, uh, Mark Chagall's, uh, Romeo and Juliet, the Paris opera house. Yeah. This is the one I got when I, got married me and my wife and then i've always dreamed of like finishing it when i found out like who my kids were oh that's beautiful (laughs) and now i like we call them we call them the ladybugs so i've like Mm. started to collect like different um what's it called fonts or like Mm -hmm. styles of ladybug and they're just gonna go all around it I love that. That'd be fun. I think that's a beautiful thing. Any tattoo artists who want to do it. Ah, <laughs> I'm thinking the person who did my most recent one uh, from, from Three Kings. Oh, they cool. Are some really... They here? They are. And oh. you should go. Did a big okra up the back of... Oh, cool. America, and they, they do really incredibly beautiful work. There. That's awesome. Yeah. And they, they love chefs. So. Great. The, the beautiful thing. I have five questions that I ask of everybody in this, this sort of speed round to They're get is all about the Avengers. <laughs> well, by the time this airs, we will know what happens, but I was actually yeah. listening to a podcast on the way in today where they were all very extremely giddy for Avengers. So excited. It's There's going to be a whole reboot basically. Like the whole Marvel universe is going to oh, be reset. Man. I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Eliza, I know where you're going to be this weekend. Um, <laughs> but what is your comfort food? Uh, hamburgers. Any particular place or just hamburgers, general full stop? Yeah. I mean, I will say the Mineta Tavern burger was Mm -hmm. a little thick for me. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely like the smash burger. Um, pretty simple. The restaurant or the bar right next to giant is called Scofflaw. I feel it's the best hamburger in the city. Okay. So anytime that I'm walking to my car 
and the corner seat at the bar is yeah. open, it's like magnetic. I just go, I sit there, <laughs> I have a beer and a burger and fries and look on my phone and it's great. That sounds so... It's so everything. Oh, <laughs> it's I so a, great. I had a really good burger in New Orleans this week at Justine. Mm-hmm. Hell of a burger. Nice. And yeah, and you can you can get like flaw on it if you want. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a really good burger. And uh, I love that. What is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? Uh, I think Monte Verde. Oh, she's so good. In Chicago. What is, shout it out. Uh, Sarah Grunberg. Mm-hmm. Um, she does this, you know, she's, she's definitely, we see, it, it, we see food the same way. It's like you put food on a plate and you don't really tell people how to eat. Um, she's got one dish that's like a pesto gnocchetti that it's not mixed. So like the gnocchetti is in like a, a really light sauce and she's going to kill me for not knowing what it is. But then there's this beautiful pesto just like spooned in the middle you're just supposed to kind of like gently mix it and all that stuff. And it just comes together and it's just really, really, really gorgeous. Oh my God. I want that so badly right now. I just remember it's Alex, Alex McWatt at three Kings who needs to do oh, cool. too. So just remember that part. And he makes a really nice whiskey too. Perfect. Um, um, <laughs> what is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? Oh man. Um, it doesn't happen often. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> People don't cook for chefs. No, they don't, but it's, um, you know, it's like one of those things I'll say to people who have friends that are chefs, like, we just, we, we love it. Like, if the chicken's dry, great. Like, that <laughs> reminds us of, like, growing up and, like, our, you know, it's not, like, the imperfections are the things that give us the memories that, that, that we crave. Like, every chef, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create these memories somehow, but it's like, you can't dry out the chicken, right, <laughs> and charge people money for it, but... You can under, I don't know. It's just like, that's the best. I will say, God love my wife. She's the worst cook on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) So I know she wants me to say like something about some meal that she cooked and she's going to watch. She'll be like, what do you mean? But the last time I'll, I've said it before, but the last time she cooked something, it tasted like college. (laughs) (laughs) She's perfect in all other ways. All other ways. Oh, what living musician would you want to cook for? Trey Anastasio. What would you cook for Trey Anastasio? I don't know. I just want to talk to him. Oh, but wow. No, think, okay, close your eyes and think like, okay, he walks into your restaurant or your house for some reason. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> what would that thing be? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Just kind of what they want. You know, I, I'd rather mm-hmm. ask what they want than what I want to give them. That's you know? so hospitality of you. Well, it's got to be because it's like. But like, what's your show off dish? Um, that, that like, what would you make for a friend who wasn't feeling so hot? Maybe they'd gone through a breakup. They'd gone through a whatever. What is your your care dish? Um, I'm pretty. I make pretty good soups. I just I had a friend who had a health scare uh, a couple weeks ago, and I made him like a fuck ton of soups, um, which were pretty good. Beet and coconut what? with lime. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, it was good. Um, pasta. Honestly, like I I love the feeling of rolling pasta. I love the, you know, like my Instagram 
the people that I follow on Instagram are it's like pasta grannies and the guy from Buka in Toronto. Oh, yeah. That guy is insane. And is it Simonetti uh, who works with Fabio Trabacci? Like she uh, has an incredible uh, feed of her just making pasta shapes. Really? Oh, I'll I'll have to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, send you that. that I nerd out over that like crazy. It is hypnotic. Yeah, it is so beautiful. I think yeah, that Instagram just with like, all the shapes. Oh is, man, I'll make when sure. I see the little video in the corner i'm like click click <laughs> it's like just show me show me how to do it oh my i think simonetta is her name but i'll make sure to send you that and let's say you have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care what is the thing you do uh i play guitar like when nobody else, nobody's around and i like belt it out like my my wife is a musician so she's taught me um how like my big thing that I could never do when I was like in the metal band in high school is sing and play at the same time. Yeah. And now I can. So, um, that like, I, I really like playing, um, wildflowers by Tom Petty Oh. and my new thing. This is going to sound so corny. Um, there's a song from the, from Annie, the musical, Which one is it? maybe, that literally makes me cry every time I hear it. Oh, that's so sweet. So, so I learn how to play it so that ideally sometime I can play it with my kids. And, you know, like they play their little tiny cellos and stuff like that. I was going to ask if they have instruments too. Alice, the four-year-old, she plays fiddle. And oh. Sydney, the eight-year-old, plays cello, like in four and eight-year-old ways. Mm. But like I can play like Amanda by Waylon Jennings yeah. and like Sydney will try and do the harmony. And it's like, I don't know. It's just that's my self-care, like just being a nerdy dad trying to get your kids to like sing with you. You know, I'll, I'll sing Annie. How's that? And then you're just like bawling. <laughs> that is really beautiful. And, <laughs> and I think this is a, a lovely way <laughs> to, to wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much to our guest today, Jason Vincent. And let's see, the various socials, if you want to see him be angry on Twitter, is Jason Vincent 00. That you can also follow um, Giant Chicago mm-hmm. on the various socials. Um, you can find him at City Mouse mm-hmm. and coming up Chef's Special Cocktail bar so please please go and visit him next time you're in chicago thank you to our producers jennifer martinick alicia gabral and amy frank thanks to douglas wagner for our delightful theme song if you like what you heard please tell a friend write a view review or rate us and those stars and reviews really really do matter so people can actually find us if there's something you'd like uh, for us to talk about or a guest you'd like to hear from, please let us know. You can find me on Twitter at Kitten with a Whip. Find out more about the show and catch up on all of the episodes at foodandwine.com and at Food and Wine's YouTube page. Thank you for listening and take good care of yourself until the next time.